You are now listening to Small Monster Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Small Market Podcast with your host, Wataki and Hoffman. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing real good, Hoffman. How are you? How was your weekend? Really good. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a nice weekend. This coming weekend up will be nicer because I have a three-day weekend and oh. I can kind of enjoy it. Nice. Maybe there'll still be some basketball and there's lots of sports going on there's lots of sports ball going on all over the world a lot of all kinds of stuff but before we get into all that i wanted to let everybody know that the second half of our episode is what you should really be waiting around for because we are going to be talking to jim the rookie morris oh yeah yeah it's gonna be this is a been looking forward to this one for a long time right we'll talk oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, this is got a, a special great story. He's got a great story, and um, we've been kind of saving this as a special episode right before opening day. So, should we dive right into it and talk about some soccer? Ooh. Oh, okay, my bad. Neither one of us did our homework on soccer. No, I very rarely do I pay attention to soccer. <laughs> I only read books on soccer. But last, well, close to soccer, Canadian soccer. Did you hear? Isn't that basically hockey? Yes. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. Did you hear what happened in the NHL this past week? No, I didn't. Something about a referee. Yeah, Tim Peel, NHL referee, uh, lost his job for basically getting caught on a hot mic. Okay, Uh, that doesn't seem so bad. What did he... Depending on what he said, right? So he said, quote, (laughs) "It, it wasn't much... But I really wanted to get an effing penalty on Nashville early. I don't think you're supposed to say that as a ref. Yeah, you're kind of supposed to yeah. be, uh, what do they call it, impartial or something? Yeah, you're an impartial judge. You're not yeah. supposed to not supposed to say that. So my thought is, is with all of this, this in Michigan, I can't say what it's like around the country, but in Michigan, and this was a Michigan team playing in it, the Red Wings were playing against the Predators, uh, Online gambling is like this huge craze now. The commercials are everywhere. Um, do you think the NHL went too far by just canning him right there and saying he'll never ref another NHL game just without any kind of due process on it? No, because you know what? I, the one thing about the NHL is they're, they are probably the one league, besides baseball always tries to be cautious of it. They're, they are kind of dipping their toes in it. but. Mm-hmm. The NHL is one league that's just like, ah, eh, we're not, we're just ignoring it. It's gambling is not, it's not going to affect. That's not going to be a game. part of our culture or affect the game. Um, and that's a, a massive statement to kind of put a kibosh on. That's it had nothing to do with gambling. I, well, I yeah, know I what know, you're I, getting at. I'm, but yeah, I guess I, in a sense, I'm kind of insinuating. But there's been instances before, and you just don't yeah. want. And that's what it looks like, though. You don't want it to go down that road. It's bad optics. Right. I mean, maybe it's, it's just a dude being a dick, you know? I it, don't know. Yeah, it, it's just the the idea of insinuating that um, he wanted something to happen in the game. Like, in he the game. W- was planning on it, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not something you ever want to hear from, a, from an official at all. So, so but, I, I think it was, yeah. What about in the NBA, though? I mean, when you watch it and you're like, that was a bad call, and we all, we all talk about it, oh, watch for the makeup call. Even the announcers right. will say, oh, that was a makeup call. 
I mean, it's like in the NBA, it's just commonplace. And I'm surprised announcers don't get in trouble for that, to be honest with you. That they they don't get in trouble. Ooh, that was a that was a makeup call because they they get in trouble for a whole lot less. Well, that's true. So, speaking of basketball, did you watch the game? Oh, the Michigan game. game? Of course, I watched the Michigan game. Are you kidding me, Hoffman? (laughs) No, the Pistons game. Of course, the Michigan game. Absolutely, man. Were you as excited about this one as you were the LSU game? Because every time something happened during this game, I imagined you at home just like. Yeah, yeah. I was excited when the good things happened. I wasn't as it wasn't nerve wracking this game. Okay, even when it was like even in the first half when they're up like maybe six, I was like, all right. I was just comfortable. I was like, all right, we're just doing what we do. I actually thought we should have been up by a lot more by half. Felt because like we, we, got, we shot ourselves in the foot yeah. on some stuff. Um, but I wasn't. There was no point I was worried with the LSU game. I was worried the whole game that they were going to make a run and, and just destroy us. You know what I mean? Felt like we had this one kind of just kind of in control in the bag. Yeah, you know, most of the, the which is not something that we're used to as uh, fans, sports fans in the state of Michigan. It's usually always like, okay, how are we going to blow it? We're never. It's very rarely is is there an instance where we're just in control the whole game. Yeah. No, it's it's not right. common. Okay, what what else did you want to talk well, about? We're kind of doing a rapid fire well stick, hot take yeah. sort of thing. We'll real stick quick. with basketball. Yeah, Draymond Green was on a podcast over in California. He's a boisterous individual. He is. He <laughs> likes to make statements. So I want to hear what you think about his statement of his claim that he is the best defender in NBA history. Nonsense. The first. Who comes to your mind? When you think of the best defender, who comes to your mind? Well, my personal favorite was was usually Lindsey Hunter, but I think best defender, best on-ball defender of all time is hands down Dennis Rodman. Okay. Sorry. It's, you know. When I hear the word defense, I, myself personally, and I like Dennis Rodman. Like if you said who, you know, you listed people, it would be Rodman for me as well. But when I just hear the word defense, my first thought, though, goes to the glove. Oh, Gary, yeah, Gary Payton. Payton. Oh, shit. And I, I just, when yeah. I think of defense, I just think of Gary Payton. Like, he's like the poster mm-hmm. child for for defense, for, for defensive player. But what about Ben Wallace? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I think of, when I, th- when I think of Ben Wallace, I think of rebounds. But That's, that goes into the defensive. Yeah. But, but he's also a two time uh, defensive player of the year, I believe, as well. Yeah. You, if you think of somebody who's just absolutely annoying. You know, to other players, to me it's Rodman got under their skin. It was Rodman because not only did he did he get you physically and was just bothersome, he'd talk your ear off and he'd do all he did whatever he could. He did all kinds of silly stuff and he didn't know what to expect. He was so unpredictable. Yeah, he was wild. Yeah. Now I'm going to say this though, Hoffman, old man, rant here. What is it with this generation of basketball players having to claim they're the greatest of all time? Le- and I'll give you an example. LeBron James has made a claim, I'm going to be the greatest. Like, these guys actually come out there and say, I'm the greatest basketball player. Like, Michael Jordan just didn't come out and say, I'm going to be the greatest basketball player, or I am the greatest basketball player. He just played the game, and like it just kind of... Other people said it for him, and in this generation, it seems like the players themselves have to blow their own horn right. a whole lot more than previous generations did. And it's just it's kind of annoying to me. I, 
part of me thinks they just don't know any better. Another part of me just that when you're a professional athlete, your ego is out of control. And <sighs> Draymond Green has always been a, a vocal individual. Yeah. You know, and you have to understand what he's achieved probably in the last five or ten years. You know, he's he's won a few championships, his team has beaten LeBron. Um he's he may or may not be directly responsible for that, but he's a he's a, definitely a puzzle piece with that with well, Clay Thompson. They don't Steph win Curry, it without him. Right. Udala, I that uh those Golden State teams are, you know, uh they're a powerhouse, and he was certainly a, a big piece of that and a, a talker. Probably he might have been the Dennis Rodman of that team, but he certainly ain't Dennis Rodman. That's for sure. No, I take you know, if I had my choice. I don't know if he's even old enough I to would have take Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I don't know if he's even old enough to have watched Dennis Rodman. You and I are old enough to have watched Dennis Rodman. Well, that's true because I remember watching Draymond Green in high school, high school yeah. state championships on Fox. Right. You know, and watching him win a state championship with Saginaw. Yeah. So. Different. Yeah. You different. know what I mean? Different. Yep. Yeah. So he Completely, probably hadn't seen. He's he's a couple generations behind that. He didn't really get to see uh, Dennis in his prime. He didn't get to see the worm in his prime. No. You and I did. We saw him even like with the Bulls. And I think he was more obnoxious with the Bulls than he was with the Pistons. Oh, he was far more obnoxious yeah. with the Bulls. The, I think that that's. I think he made his reputation with the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a standalone reputation. Yeah, well, uh, and case for that is because he, he went to a bigger market. You move up from Detroit to Chicago, and that's our we're that's our narrative. That's our constant constant narrative. Small mm-hmm. market versus large versus yeah. large markets, right? Did you yeah. think I was gonna say uh Dennis Rodman? I'm curious. I thought well, you know what? I kind of figured that I mean I had my I had three written down. The glove, okay. the worm, and Big Ben are like my top oh, three okay. defenders, right. and so I kind of figured that I didn't think you would mention Lindsey Hunter, I but I know now that I remember that you saying that he's just one of your personal favorites, right. you know? Yeah, he's just one of my personal favorites, and he would it always seemed like whenever they brought him in, okay, it's they they brought him out because they need defense, yep, and he's he's a really good, just really good one on one guy and. Moving without the ball on defense. Right. So what do you think about Andre Drummond going to the Lakers? Ugh. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Andre Drummond. Well, both LeBron and Anthony Davis are both hurt. They're, I mean, I think well, that's... Yeah, but if they... The Lakers season is done, you know... So, if they stick around, if he sticks around for next season, though, I think he'll be a non-factor. I think he'll be he'll be overshadowed, just like Dwight Howard was kind of overshadowed when he was with the wasn't he with the Lakers last year? Yes, we forgot. We we didn't know. Everybody else was like was like a sixth man on that Lakers team last year compared mm-hmm. to it was AD and LeBron and everybody else. Yeah, it's just a hodgepodge. Yeah. Now, can you name two more players from that team? Uh, Caldwell Pope from that championship team? Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma. You are a better sports fan than I am. Hey, man. Who went to college now? Yeah, who went to to the University (laughs) of Delta? Oh, boy. Moving on. All right. Anyways, 
Well, no, I'm going to stick with that because this is going to go into something else. Is there so for him or Blake Griffin, who went to the Nets, and the Nets are building a hell of a team there to make a championship run? Do you have the Verlander effect for either one of those former Pistons? Because I know how you feel. You were like, I'm so happy for Justin Verlander to get his championship, and now I get to see that with Matt Stafford because you're hell-bent on Matt Stafford winning his Super Bowl (laughs) with the Rams. (laughs) Do you have some of this uh, Detroit Verlander effect going for the former Pistons? You know I really have it for for Stafford because I – I have been a hopeless Lions fan forever, so I it, it's there for Stafford. As far as Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, maybe a little bit for for Blake, only because yeah, I don't know. He's always been a an exciting player, and he seems like a nice guy and all that. Oh yeah, God, you say that about? But he's Sta- not. He seems like a nice guy. Can I? He, I'm gonna get a soundbite of that. Seems like a nice guy, and I just no, play no, it no. over. You know what? But I it really doesn't hit me as far as either one of those guys go. I don't think either one of those guys did enough for the city of Detroit. I agree. To really endear yourself to the fan base to say, okay, I want this guy to win. Well it's kind of, I'm not rooting against either one of them. And if they do win, cool, but I don't, I'm not attached. I don't care. Well said. I, I totally agree. I couldn't have said that better. Yeah. Neither one of them, I felt really decided they were going to put Detroit on their backs and, you know, we're going to win no matter... They were there to be on an NBA team. Yeah, they were there because you know? they play NBA ball and they're, they're cashing checks. Right, and they're just kind of... kind of just loitering until somebody Something better bad. picks them up, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, yeah, no, that's exactly yeah. it. Well, we got... got there are about 30 seconds left here, Hoffman. Do you want to say what we're doing in our second half of this episode? Really excited about this. So since opening day is, sun, is Thursday. Thursday, which technically by the time you guys hear this, that's tomorrow. Yep. So we are on the edge of our seats and waiting for opening day. Yep. Uh, just really exciting to for opening day baseball. Um we have in the second half of our segment, or in the second half of our show. Jim Morris, the rookie, the the Disney movie, the rookie that the Disney movie is, is about. Based off of, yep. Yeah, Jim Morris is on our show. We'll be talking to him here in in just a couple minutes, right after this short break. Stay tuned. Wataki here from the Small Market Podcast, encouraging you to support those who support us. Visit Heather and Holly in downtown Midland, 228 East Main Street, for your finest chocolate needs. Also, visit Good Sense Coffee at goodsensecoffee.com. Listeners, use promo code SMALLMARKET at checkout to get 10% off your purchase. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's good to meet you too. Thanks for coming on. We really, really appreciate your time and everything. So, uh, absolutely. So, Mr. Morris, we everybody kind of knows your story. Uh, I'm sure you're probably sick of repeating it, <laughs> but um, the the basic gist of the story is you you uh, were a um, well, you, you had a uh, little bit of a minor league baseball history when you were about 19 years old. 
then kind of got plagued with injuries like a lot of athletes do. Then you you decide to be a grown up, come back home, be a teacher, have a family. Um, you were you were a chemistry teacher, which uh, I tried chemistry, and that's completely over my head. So <laughs> more power to you. You're you're, you're a smarter man than I am. Um, but uh, I don't know about all that. <laughs> but uh, you were you were a baseball high school. You were a high school baseball coach. They were kind of a fledgling team. Um, and you kind of had a come to Jesus meeting with them and said, look, uh, you know, you guys got to do better. What do I have to do to motivate you? And they kind of said, in not so many terms, well, how do you expect us to be motivated when you don't even kind of lead by example yourself, you know? And so you kind of made it. Was it a spoken promise or I mean. You want to take over the story from there? <laughs> he probably knows it better than you do. Often. Yeah, you. Uh, I know. I'm talking too much. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, no, Jim. You're fine. No, it's strange because even with the movie and the book and everything that's been out, everybody reads what they want to read. And so they'll hear the story, and it's just a little bit different to every person. Um, absolutely in-person bet with the kids and – you know, when I pushed them, they pushed back. We became better as a team, and that's what I wanted because I don't think that the kids on the field are not the team. That's part of the team. And the kids on the bench and the people who need to be prepared to go in, the coaches who need to be on top of their game, uh, the parents who come to cheer us on, the people who keep score, who come over the loudspeaker and talk about the game, those are all a part of our team. And I wanted to push the kids as hard as I could and the funny thing is that bet became came into being because of another coach on the staff who happened to be the head football coach. And one day he stopped me on my way to practice in 1999 where the story takes place. And he goes, you've taken these kids as far as you can. These kids are losers. Their parents are losers. They're never going to amount to anything. If it's ever close or they're ever behind, they will find a way to lose. And as, as another coach and a man and somebody responsible for these kids, I just sat there thinking, and they put you in charge of all the coaches and all the kids. That's awesome. <laughs> and two of my kids are, yeah, two of my kids are around the corner changing and they heard it. This wow. guy destroyed two years of the work in 90 seconds. Wow. And so the first two games are just like in the movie, 15 to 1, 15 to 0, we get run ruled. And so after the second one, as a person of faith, I'll tell, Whoever wants to listen to me, I see my kids down a left field line. I stood on home plate and I just said a prayer. I said, what can I do to push these kids and not push them away? How can I get them to rise up to the occasion when they've never, ever had anybody to want that out of them ever? How can I push them without breaking them? What can I do? What can I say? And the answer came back very clearly. Go down there and talk about your grandfather and what your grandparents did for you. We need some unity. We need a family and your grandparents are the best example you've ever had in your life. And so that's what I did. I walked down there. Nobody's looking at me. They're all looking at the ground. If you guys have seen the movie, you know, it took a long time to grow grass because the deer kept eating it. And so I look at the kids. And they're looking at the ground. They're picking my grass. And number one, that made me mad. And I thought, you're going to run. No. I <laughs> and they just had this downcast look on their faces, all of them. And nobody wanted to make eye contact, even with each other. 
And so I just started talking about hopes and dreams and goals. And I said, you guys have to go out and live life. You can't let life live you. Don't let anybody dictate to you what you're going to do with your life. And 20 minutes in, they're all engaged. They're all looking at me. They're smiling. They're giggling. And I said, I want you guys to go out and be the best you can be in whatever it is you want to do. If you want to go to college, go to college. If you want to play baseball after high school, play baseball. But your education is important. This program is important because we're learning how to respect the game that has been played for so long in this country. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it the right way. We may not be good, but we're going to look good being bad. And all this stuff just started coming out. I said, coach, coach, we know. We love you, but we think you still want to play baseball. And I said, I'm 35 years old. I got hurt when I was 24 and walked away from the game. Never had a second thought about it. Didn't care. Had a surgery at 28 in which the surgeon said, you will never, ever pitch again. Physically impossible. It can't be done. 85% of my deltoid gone. And by the way, all your moms cook fresh homemade tortillas for me every time I get on a bus to drive you guys somewhere. (laughs) I look like a baseball scout, not a baseball player. <laughs> and, you know, they're giggling. They said, but coach, the way you teach us the game, we know your heart's still in it. You teach us how to act and react to every situation that could ever come up. We know what the other team's going to do before they do it. When you throw us batting practice, we can't hit it. And I said, that's because you can't hit. And <laughs> that made him giggle too. But that ended up and, not being the case. I mean, turns out you were throwing pretty yeah. hard. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they go, they go, well, if we start winning, you try out again. And I said, I can't do that. The doctor said impossible. It can't be done. Coach, what if you win a district championship, which this group of kids have never been a part of a baseball championship anywhere? If you win a district championship, I will find a tryout. In the back of my head, I'm thinking this is going to be embarrassing and humiliating. And your wife's going to kill you. So I didn't tell her. And, <laughs> We're going to go from there. And three months, we start winning. Then we start winning by a lot. And then I forget about the bet. And then these kids are hitting me all over the field. And I can't get high school kids out. And we end up getting knocked out of the playoffs after we won a district championship by a kid who couldn't throw out a wet paper bag. I mean, because they are out in front of everything. So they win the district championship. We're down by two in the last inning. They score six. They hold the other team to zero. We win seven, three. It is one of the best sights I've ever seen in my life. I'm watching a group of kids celebrate an accomplishment that not even they thought they could accomplish. And at 35, because men are slow, I finally realized what it was my grandfather was trying to teach me as I grew up. Because when you're a teenager, everything is very personal. It's all about me. And I want what I want when I want it. And I came to the conclusion of what my grandfather meant, and it meant the world to me. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about exactly what I've been teaching. It was about teamwork. It was about being a family. It was about lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. And those kids were a part of it. And because of those kids, I ended up going back to a tryout, throwing 12 to 14 miles an hour harder than I ever have in my life with control. And all of a sudden, I've got a slider. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I'm, you know, scout is beside himself. He goes, I saw you at Ranger Junior College. You were a football star. Everybody wanted to make a picture out of. And I said, yes, sir. He goes, well, I don't know what you've done your time off aside from eat. I'm like, dude. He goes, but you're throwing your first pitch without warming up was 94. 
Now, ask me why I didn't warm him up. Why didn't you warm him up, Jim? <laughs> nobody, nobody would play catch with me. All the other kids are looking at me like I am out of my mind. I'm old. I've got three of my kids there. They're eight, four, and one. And I look completely out of place on the field. I should have been in the stands with my kids. <laughs> but because I made a promise, here I am. And so I just said, look, I don't want to embarrass myself anymore. This is going to happen. Let me throw. Let me get out of here. That's it. And last one to try out, everybody's putting their stuff in the cars. I start pitching. And all of a sudden, the players who are putting stuff in their car start throwing that back over by the backstop. And then their parents did. See, I'm, I'm a parent, and their parents are my age. That, that's awesome. <laughs> and so before I know it, everybody who was at the tryout is behind the backstop. And the scout, Gasaway, he goes, he looks at this kid, and he goes, hey, get a bat and get in there. And the first hint I had of anything was this kid looked at him. He goes, you want me to get in there against that? Maybe I'm throwing pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, all the young kids threw like 20 pitches and I get up to 60. I think they're making fun of the fat old guy. And that's me. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I get done. He walks over to me and he goes, you're left-handed. You throw 98 and your ball moves like crazy. He said, you were 35 when you drove up here. So when you get a phone call from the front office, you're now 32. <laughs> like, what? He goes, do not tell them you're 35 until they see you pitch. I said, all right. I go home. They want me to come back and throw in two days. I call my high school kids. Now, this is the difference between walking the walk and talking the talk, right? I tell my kids, if I do good, they want me to sign a contract and go back and play baseball at 35. Coach, you told us if we ever had our dream in front of us, you'd chase it no matter what. And I said, I was lying. <laughs> <laughs> so they come back and half my kids are there. My kids are there again. Also, it's raining so bad. They had to hand us a brand new baseball every single pitch, sliding up to my knee in mud, 98 every pitch. Sign a contract, minor league contract. I took a pay cut from teaching to go play minor league baseball. It was awesome. Wow. <laughs> no kidding. I, I got a question for you. Now, you said uh, they were giving you a hard time. They wouldn't play catch with you. When you got called up to the majors, what was the reaction like there? I mean, did people know your story coming in? Um, everybody's more or less closer to your age, I would think, a little bit in the majors. So was it just kind of business as usual? Did anybody say anything to you? It was act. You have this dream when you're a five-year-old kid, like I want to be a big league ball player. And then you don't get it till you're 35 and you know what failure means. You know what life means. You know what raising a family means. And then your dream comes back to you again and you get to be a kid again for a little bit. That is the best time I've ever had in my life. We come back to my home state of Texas. Haven't been home in three months. I'm in the big leagues. I have to sign my contract before I can walk into the clubhouse. Immediately, they give me 10 days worth of meal money that is more money than I made in two months teaching. And I thought <laughs> I could get used to this. And I walk in and they've been hearing about the crazy science guy all summer, right? And the first person to come up to me, guys, Wade Boggs. Oh, wow. And he hugs me. He goes, man. That is the best story I've ever heard in my life. 
And I look at him and I'm still a coach and a fan. I'm like, you're Wade Boggs and you like chicken. <laughs> and he laughed at me and he walked off. Roberto Hernandez, Fred McGriff, Jose Canseco. And unbelievable. Fred McGriff is probably one of the best dads I've ever seen in my life. Really? And That's just awesome. this calm character who would go out and hit the ball a mile and just match. And Jose Canseco, you hear all these horror stories about everything. He was as nice as he could be to me. We did a card show about a year ago, and I haven't seen him in 20 years. And he comes up and he hugs me. He goes, you remember me? Jose Canseco, you're as big as a wall. Come on. <laughs> he starts giggling, and then we sit by each other and sign. But one, it was the best walking into that clubhouse and just being accepted. That was cool. That's really cool. That's awesome, Jim. Um, I wanted to make sure we got a plug in for your um, uh, your, your new book. Well, the, I was going to say the speeches first oh, yeah. because. How I first learned about you was going to college at Central Michigan University, and you probably don't remember yeah. this at all, but a few years back, you came to my school and you spoke. <clears throat> and to me, it was I saw a lot of really cool people speak at while I was in, in college, but you were one of the most memorable, and you just had such a great story well, and such you. a positive message, and, um, you know... At the time, I I didn't watch the rookie because I was a you know I was a college kid and that's a Disney movie and whatever. But after it's hearing, G-rated man, yeah, exactly. Well, my God, you know, and uh, yeah, and but yeah, after watching your speech, it was like it was like inspiring. I wanted to get up and do something. So the first thing I wanted to do was go to the video store and rent the rookie. So I did that and watched the movie and um, and. Uh, then wanted to go and do something myself. And now today hearing your story again and being inspired by you again, I'm a 37 year old lefty myself and uh, I'm getting, getting ambitious ideas. Like I can go out there and try out for the Dodgers or something. Probably a really bad idea. Yeah. I'm going to say. So anyways, um, what are you, what are you doing now? I know everything's like shut down across the country. Um, Are you, I imagine you're not traveling or anything. Are there plans to go on another tour, another speaking tour or anything anytime soon? I don't know about anytime soon. I'm about in the same boat as you guys. I'm just like, when and where is the top of the water so I can get my head above it? Sure. But yeah, yeah we're going to keep speaking. I actually did a speech last week, virtual speech. And I know I'm going to get blamed for COVID for this, but two years ago, my wife and I are flying around. I look at her and I go, man, I'm tired of traveling. What if we started looking into these virtual talks? Yeah. And I have no idea about social media or any of that stuff. And then COVID hits and guess what? You're going to do virtual talks. And so we've navigated over into that. And it's just not the same thing as like being in front of you guys. Right. Yeah. If I'm at Central Michigan and I'm in front of everybody, the feedback from the audience is better. And then it feeds me and then I feed it back into you guys and everybody gets charged sitting at home with a, a dress jacket on and my, my running shorts because I'm going to go run after <laughs> right. I talk is just kind of getting old, man. I, I don't even know if my pants fit anymore. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm still speaking and there are people who are, are lining stuff up and I'm going to tell you, I think one of the first in-person engagements we have is not until June. Okay. And maybe April, but that's the earliest and people are still scared to death because they don't know what they don't know. 
And we don't know if we're getting the truth. So, yeah, exactly. Understandable. Well, I, and and you're right. It's not the same as like being there in real life. It's like a going to a, a live concert or going to a live baseball game or yeah. football game or whatever. It's just a completely different feel versus the the virtual thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, Jim, you got a new book titled Dream Makers out. Um, can you go into that a little bit as to what that is about? Um, from my understanding, I haven't read it, I'll be honest, uh, but it's like your life after baseball and some of the lessons you've learned and stuff. Um, you know, kind of, yeah. they, they compare it to like a sequel to The Rookie, but I, I guess I, I want to hear from your own words what exactly, you know, what that entails. Well, I'll tell you, for 20 years, people want me to write a book. And one of the most asked questions I got was, we, we love the story. Dennis did great. We love baseball, but what have you done since then? And in 2001, uh, with the Dodgers, I went from L.A. at Chavez Ravine, where I'm working out with the guys before spring training, and in five days, driving from L.A. to Florida, where they still had spring training at that time, something happened where I couldn't even play catch. And I'm looking at guys, and I can't judge the ball. And the guy who's a coach and teaches kids how to bunt can't even bunt. And now I'm in the National League. What am I going to do if I can't put a bat on the ball? And it got scary. And I thought, if I throw the ball up there at 100 and somebody hits it back at me, what am I going to do? And I ended up quitting. And I told people my arm hurt. But the truth was I was scared to have a ball hit back at me. I didn't know what was going on. And it took us probably 40 surgeries. And finally, the right doctor who... I was a butthead, but he told, told us how it was, and he said, you have CTE-induced Parkinsonism. That was our the first half of our interview with Jim Morris, the rookie. Jim the, Mor- <laughs> Jim the Jim, Morris. Jim the rookie Morris, Thank as you. he likes to be called in the streets. Because <laughs> he's out on the streets a lot, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He's a bad mother. Yep. Jim the Rookie Morris, who who is very, very uh, um, kind with his time. We appreciate him coming on on the show, and that was the first half of our interview with him. Tune in next week to hear the second half of our interview with with Jim Morris. It's kind of a longer piece. He gave us a lot of time, and Mm -hmm. so we wanted to split it up. Yep. And I thought it was a great interview, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a very, very interesting man, and... A hell of a story. Yeah, a very interesting story. Yeah. It's one of those stories you can make a movie about, Hoffman. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe they will one day. Someday. Thanks again for tuning in to the Small Market Podcast with your hosts, Watucky and Hoffman. Be sure to check out our Etsy shop. That's Chemical City USA. That's our Etsy shop where you can get all kinds of cool t-shirts. We're adding uh, new designs every week. Um, check out my blog. Yep. And um, How do they get to that blog? Do you know off the top oh, of your head? man. There's a blog spot. Just like Google search it. I just write the darn thing. I don't remember how I don't, get to it. I don't market anything. We yeah, just record I, it and write it and slap you, it on the internet. You say it every week, and I'm always like, is that the URL? Is this too? what we're oh, doing? It is. What do you know? So, yeah, you, you say it all the time, but uh, what is it? I blog, forget. Blogspot. Small market podcast backslash blogspot.com. <laughs> blogspot.com backslash small market podcast. Search those in Google. You'll find it. It's out there. Yeah, it's a pretty good. Uh, and I've got a few um, really good 
pieces coming out that I'm really proud of uh, coming out on that that blog. That You're a great writer, really Hoffman. Thanks. I don't mean to, you. to like kiss your it, ass man. on the air. I don't like to make that a habit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate. I don't need it. your ego getting any bigger. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Heather and Holly, as always, for for helping us out. And I want to mention the card shops too again. Oh quick. yeah. So they probably don't curveball collectibles. That's Mike Wilson. Curveball yep. Collectibles there in Old Town Saginaw. He's got a big grand opening coming up too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. And he's got an Easter basket. Giveaway and for, stuff for, for the, kids. the kids. So stop in there, I think, would you say before Friday? Or even on Friday, I think, and you right. get registered for that. He's going to have a huge weekend this weekend anyways. But check him out on Facebook. He's got a grand opening coming up. Um, that's going to be all so much fun. He's, I just, I love his shop. Also, um, Brett Lyons' shop. All four sports in Shields. That's that's on yeah. Gratiot and Shields. That's on Gratiot and Shields, and I like their shop just as much. They're yeah, we know. are really blessed in a region that's a lot smaller than like the Detroit market to have mm-hmm. two really really good card shops Quality right in the same. Shops. Both yep. guys put on uh, card shows in the area mm-hmm. um, with signers and stuff every year. I, we're truly blessed to be yeah. able to have that every year. Yep. Without having to travel two hours down to Detroit every weekend. Absolutely. And and both gentlemen have been on our show and have been nothing but cool to us, right? Yep. So, Good guys. Anyways, want to shout out to them. Check out their stuff. They're both awesome. Yep. And uh, Heather and Holly, the blog, Etsy shop. Did I hit all the notes? I think you hit all the notes, Hoffman. All right. And again, a reminder, tune in next week for the second half of our interview with Jim the Rookie Morris on the Small Market Podcast. Yeah, it's just more 12. You've been listening to the Small Market Podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, send us a message at smallmarketpodcast at gmail.com or get more behind-the-scenes writings from Hoffman at smallmarketpodcast backslash blogspot.com. Music for the Small Market Podcast has been provided by the 8-Arm Killer.